So, Chris, what platforms can you find us on these days? You wouldn't happen to have any interesting new platforms to find us on, would you? Yeah, so in terms of social media, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. But now we're also on Instagram. Yeah, um, and this is going to be one that I'm a bit more hands-on with than Chris. So thank you for trusting in me on that one. Um, I'm going to put up heaps of silly photos. Uh, you know, maybe a weekly look at my insane wrestling collection for those people that care. Um Maybe show some clips of what wrestling I'm watching. Who knows? Just have a bit of fun with it. Yeah, indeed. And then we've got a couple of podcast uh, services that you can follow us on. So that being Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean. But we're now also on Stitcher. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Expanding our brand, as Stephanie McMahon would probably say. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Uh, so keep tuned to that we'll be coming up on a few new platforms as well Uh, if it's done by next week's wrap we'll announce it on there G'day humans what's good work Chris Bundy here for another edition of Wrestling Hostile with Alex Freddie Williams Alex how you are mate? I am brilliant mate Um, just Doing good. How you doing, brother? I know it's been a pretty hectic week for you, man. Yeah, yeah, straight out of birthday celebrations, back to busy work life. Yeah, back to reality. Yeah, sadly, but um, we're doing our best here to try to keep up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, any apologies to all you humans listening? Like, lots of apologies for you guys that were expecting certain things to drop at certain dates. Um, yeah, we have work lives outside of this podcast, so um, sometimes the podcast, unfortunately, has to take a back seat. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we're not getting paid for this, so... <laughs> yeah. We if have if to... you feel like paying for this, uh, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, go do something to keep a roof over our head and food in our bellies. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, boy, what a week we have to talk about. Yeah, more pay-per-views. Isn't it great? Yeah, yeah we've got two to talk. Well, does Victory Road count as a pay-per-view? I guess it kind of does. In the same sense that I suppose TakeOver counts as a pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. So we've got two to talk about today. <laughs> And we got, what, how, how many G1 nights are we covering today as well? What, four or five? Uh, two, just two this week. Oh, phew. So by next Wednesday, we, we would have talked about the next six nights leading into the uh, final four block nights and the final the following week. Bloody hell. Yeah, gotta love G1 season. <laughs> I suppose with that being said, do you want to start talking about the rap? Yeah, let's uh, let's be like Macho Man Randy Savage and uh, try to rap. So we go to Wednesday, September 30th, 2020 for Impact Wrestling's Impact. Results were first a tag team match, Rosemary and Ty Valkyrie defeat Jessica Havoc and Nevea. Second, a singles match, Jordan Grayson. T- second, a singles match, Jordan Grace defeated Tennille Dashwood who had Caleb with a K in her corner. 
third tag team match, the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows defeated the Rascals, Des and Wentz. Fourth, a singles match where the winner would become the best man with the Wrestle House members ringside. So Falabar defeated Johnny Swinger after the match was restarted because Johnny Swinger used interference. And in the main event, a tag team match, the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander defeated Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. Uh, your thoughts here, Alex? It's a pretty good um, episode of Impact. I just felt like it didn't necessarily hype me up for Victory Road. Yeah, I have to agree. I completely forgot about Victory Road. Like, was this announced a few weeks ago? Or was this just sort of announced this week? This was um, announced a couple of weeks ago. But it was sort of like mentioned in passing. But the way they announced it made me think it was going to be like a special episode of Impact. Like on a Tuesday night in America or whatever. Like how they did the... Um, uh, like a few weeks ago they did a special imp- episode of Impact where Diona had the Iron, Iron Man match against Jordan. Like that um, was a... Emergence emergence yeah i thought it was going to be another thing like that but it wasn't until this episode that we found out it was going to be on a saturday night in america sunday morning over here on the impact plus app yeah i um yeah i saw i was caught off guard by this i'm sure they've like you said mentioned it in passing and it's just when i've been taking notes i haven't really paid attention to that or thought oh they're talking out Bound for Glory coming up. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really good show, especially like the way they featured their women. Like the first two matches, um, both featured good women's matches, and also the classic match involving Gal Kim. So the first forty minutes of the show was all women's wrestling. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, Gal Kim stuff, like, um, it makes me question a few things, like. Could they possibly be trying to bring in Gal Kim again at some point? Because, like, in previous months, they happened to show a clip of the the Motor City Machine Guns winning titles. And then the very next week, the Motor City Machine Guns return. So I'm just, yeah, it sort of got me thinking that, well, Gal Kim's available. Like, I guess she's, like quote-unquote retired but who is in wrestling yeah i suppose that's true wasn't she trying to start up that women's promotion with leader i have no idea this is the first i've heard of that so (laughs) (laughs) so Um, obviously they did well (laughs) well i suppose timing is everything and this year hasn't really been great for timing no Um, no the Eddie Edwards in-ring promo where he was attacked by the world's most dangerous man. I really liked that. Yeah, I loved it too. Um, so apparently Shamrock's getting put into the Hall of Fame Bound for Glory weekend, which I think might... I think it's kind of a questionable decision to turn Shamrock heel just before he's about to go into the Hall of Fame. But... um as we'll talk about on Victory Road, I don't necessarily know if he is going full heel. Yeah, I suppose we can talk about that more in a moment. Anything else there, or 
just your overall thoughts? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Thumbs up for Impact. Uh, they're probably the most consistently good TV show in the wrestling genre at the moment. Yeah, most weeks it's usually a thumbs up. So, yeah, I think Impact's doing some really good stuff. I just... Uh, I just wish they had more eyes on the product and like I, I go on Twitter and no one talks about impact. So they they got a lot of bad stigma to sort of wash off themselves first. Yeah, they they definitely do. But um they're moving in the right direction with this good T V product where we're actually both paying for it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's crazy and and I'm at a point where, like, I'm thinking about dropping New Japan World after the G1, but I'm thinking about keeping Impact Plus. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's just not a thing I ever thought I would say publicly or to anyone. But, yeah, good on you, Impact. If they keep keep consistently doing this, it's only a matter of time before they start picking up steam. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I gave them a, another thumbs up this week. Uh, so from there, we go to Thursday, October the 1st, 2020 for WWE NXT in the US. The results were first a singles match. Shotzi Blackheart defeated Dakota Kai, who had Raquel Gonzalez in her corner. Second, a singles match. Cameron Grimes defeated Joey Pistachio. Third, a singles match. Cameron Grimes defeated Ridge Holland by DQ. Fourth, a singles match, Kushida defeated Tony Nese. Uh, fifth match, Adam Cole defeated Austin Fury. Sixth match, Caden Carter with Casey Catanzaro defeated Zaya Lee. And the main event of the night, a mixed tag team match, Candice LeRae and Johnny Gagano defeated Io Shirai and Damian Priest. Uh, your thoughts here, Alex? Yeah, I, I thought this was a average episode of NXT, to be honest. Uh, it only hyped me up for one thing, and that was the main event. And even then, the whole segment they used to hype up the main event, I kept thinking, well, it'd be so much easier if these guys just flat out said on commentary before this that this was taped a week ago. This sit-down was taped a week ago. Instead of making it seem like Sean's just no-selling Randy Orton. Yeah, for the second consecutive time, he's, like, been attacked by Orton and then pops up the same week on NXT. Yeah, it. I think it might... That might be the most, like, prominent bit of evidence that NXT has no idea what the main roster's up to. I think there's, like, a real, like, gap in communication between uh, Raw, SmackDown, and then NXT. Yeah, but... Wouldn't you have Sean go, oh, I'm doing this thing on NXT this week. How about before he comes in and attacks, I leave the room. So then the other three guys get attacked and I'm fine for this sit down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, man, it, it, it's frustrating. It's like th those are the little details. Like, like even if they just had a graphic on the screen saying recorded earlier. Say it was recorded Monday morning, just before Raw, for all we care. Just, like, come up with an excuse. Yeah. It doesn't take that that much effort. Um, also, the music they had under this was, like, 
Death Note for music. What the hell is going on there? <laughs> well, we don't have cinematic matches anymore, so now we just have cinematic segments, I guess. The music and all that sort of stuff. Um, Death Note thought music. I like that. <laughs> what happened to the Breezango tag thingy? I guess they're having a week off. Um, I guess it's not exactly that important for the time being because they obviously didn't have tag title plans for TakeOver. But, yeah, they could have addressed it. They could have cut a promo. They could have had someone on commentary say something, but nah. Sadly, a third torn ACL for Tegan Knox. Is this a legit injury? I think so. Um, I think it is from everything I've seen, but I'm not... You, you never know at the moment. It's so easy to work to work all the people on Twitter. And if this is a third torn ACL, like she's torn both legs once before, this will be the second one on one of her legs. What does the future in WWE hold for her? I would say she's running out of chances, as brutal and harsh as that sounds. Um, you look at you look at the AOP, like they were they were a pet project of Triple H at one point. They was killing it all over NXT, then they get called up to the main roster and one gets injured. They come back, they get a tag title run. They get a good push again, then the other one gets injured. They come back, they get put with Seth Rollins. They get in, one of them gets injured again. And now they're not in the company. Yeah. Um, I would like, Tegan Knox is young enough to come back from this and like have a good run afterwards. But I, I do really wonder if, um, if all this will make the higher-ups in charge lose a bit of faith in pushing her. Yeah, well, she did get injured in training for the May Young, injured during the second May Young, and now injured again during, what, September in NXT. They're all around the same time of year too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, maybe you shouldn't book her, shouldn't put her on the card around September. <laughs> Give her the month off every year. Um, last thing I had of note was the face woman Io Shirai attacks the heel man in full view of the referee, multiple times unprovoked as Tom is spouting, the men, fuss, the men must face the men and the women must face the women. Get the F out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, that whole thing was just... I, I thought the main event was pretty bad, to be honest. I thought it was pretty trash. Like, I understand Candace going in and attacking Damien Priest behind the referee's back. She did not do that once. EO attacked Johnny in view of the referee when the referee was telling Johnny to get out at least five times that I saw. Yeah. On on the bright side of that, I'm glad they never did a thing where Candice LeRae had to attack Damien Priest and, what, six foot six, six seven, 
Damien Priest had to sell for Candice LeRae. Thank God they didn't do that. No, but I mean, more or less, she runs around to the outside and, like, grabs Kicks his leg from under the ropes and trips him, or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get I get it, yeah. Um, it's ass backwards. It's, um... Yeah, it's it's... It does feel like sometimes absolutely no thought is put into the NXT product. And then sometimes it feels like it's the most genius, like, <laughs> bloody Shakespeare masterpiece of a thing. Like, NXT's so all over the shop. And usually, like, the big picture things are just perfect, and the little details are questionable at best. I look forward to talking to you about some of the little details from TakeOver when we get there shortly. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I gave this week a thumbs down. I didn't think it did the best job leading into uh, TakeOver for a big go-home show. Yeah, I'll give it a thumbs down as well. Um, somewhere in between thumbs down and thumbs in the middle, but yeah, yeah, um, not not a great go-home show for sure, yeah. What about, are you ready to light the fuse, Dynamite? Oh, man. Dude, I was so glad I got to watch this for the first time in ages, not live. <laughs> <laughs> that song? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so done with it. <laughs> I need to have my, <laughs> like my phone loaded so when that comes on, I can just play generic wrestlers, uh, generic AEW wrestlers theme. Here's Cody's theme. Here's Brody Lee's theme. Here's Mox's theme. And just mute the TV. Yep, that would be perfect. Oh, man. Uh, so, results were first singles match, Darby Allen defeated Ricky Starks. Second, a tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, where FTR have in place a 20 minute time limit if it goes to the limit they retain. So, FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood, the champions. With Tully Blanchard in their corner, defeated SCU, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. With Christopher Daniels in their corner via pinfall. Third was Chris Jericho with the Inner Circle members in his corner, taking on Isaiah Cassidy with Mark Quinn and Matt Hardy in his corner. Jericho picking up the win. Fourth, a singles match, Orange Cassidy with Chuck and Trent in his corner, defeating Preston Ten Vance of the Dark Order, who had John Four Silver, Alan Five Angels, and Colt Cabana in his corner. Fifth, a singles match, the return of Dr. Britt Baker DMD to in-ring action, with Reba in her corner, defeating Red Velvet. And the main event of the night, an open challenge from Eddie Kingston to AEW World Champion John Moxley. And John Moxley defeated The Butcher, who had Eddie Kingston, Penta L0M, and Ray Phoenix in her in his corner. Uh, your thoughts tonight, Alex? I thought it was a pretty ordinary episode of Dynamite as well. Um, I really enjoyed the opening match with Alan and Starks. Man, Ricky Starks is a stud. Like, there's so much, like, potential there with him. Um, and, yeah, I thought it was a very, like lackluster episode of Dynamite, to be honest. Uh, Britt Baker looked like she'd just, like, 
just added like 10 pounds of pure muscle or something. She was looking jacked. Like she, she, she had put on some serious muscle by the looks of things on her time off hanging out in the dentist office or whatever. Oh, don't talk about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was cool to see like John Moxley like defend a title against a lesser known guy like the butcher and give the butcher a bit of spotlight, but I don't know. I, I sort of felt like that title match felt like John Cena in two thousand and five defending the title against like a Snitsky or something on an episode of Raw. Like that's what that match felt like. It's like yeah, it's going to be a couple of minutes of the heel getting heat, but you ultimately know there's going to be the big comeback, the finish. The question, the finish is never in doubt. Um, yeah, I don't think it was that necessary. I honestly would have just rather like a promo battle back and forth between Moxley and Kingston rather than that. Yeah, but I suppose um, Lance Archer. Lance Archer should be cleared by next week, so there's no real point in continuing this Eddie Kingston feud beyond this week. Um, oh, my... I, I wouldn't say it looked like it was over, though. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, like he kind of just beat the low man on the totem pole, to be honest. Yeah, who knows? Um, yeah. So for myself, thank goodness Brick. Uh, thank goodness Brute is actually back now, and we've moved on from Big Swole and Dentist Offices. Yeah, that whole thing was crap. Uh, that was really bad. Like, later on, you find out from Tony Khan that, like, they sort of booked themselves into a corner at um, uh, a double or nothing when Brit cut a promo saying that she'll be back for All Out. And then... Uh, All Out comes along and, well, she's not fully cleared or ready for a match yet. Uh, We've got to cut some corners and uh, put her in a cinematic match instead in a dentist office, and it was horrible. <laughs> but now she's finally back, and thank God she's back because we need her to get that title and be the main centerpiece of the women's division. It might just be me being forgetful from everything that I've watched and worked so much this week. Um, I don't recall Sheeta, Thunder Rosa, Ivelisse or Diamante on this week's Dynamite in any capacity. Nah, nah, they weren't. Um, I'm still sticking with my theory that I I think uh, Ivelisse and Diamante might disappear slowly over the next few weeks. My theory, anyway. Fair enough. Um, I want to say something that I'm surprised you haven't brought up yet. The Cody and Brody Lee um, brawl segment to answer the dog collar match. It was just the right mix of aggression without outstaying its welcome and not spilling over into comedy. You know what? I hated it. What? I thought it was so cheesy and gross. It was like, 
2009 John Cena. Like, uh, I can't accept this match. I'm going to have to say no. No mercy. No regrets. Like, oh, come on. That was disgusting. That, like, yeah, everything else around it was pretty good. But that whole thing about, like, no. And then he walks away and then sprints back into the ring. Like, oh, I hated it. I thought it was really tacky. And I'm like, Cody. I love Cody. And I just hate it when, like, there's this certain mode Cody gets into sometimes that I actually don't like. And it's like when Cody's, like, trying to audition to be an inspirational speaker. I hate that. Like, his whole do the work thing and all that sort of stuff. Like, I just like it when he's just, like, being real on the microphone and talking about his opponent. But then when he's talking about himself sometimes, it comes across, like, the cheesiest inspirational speaker. (laughs) Yeah, that, that whole thing. Hated it. Um, Brody Lee looks like a star, though. I really hope, um, I really hope Cody doesn't win this match because I don't think we've even scratched the surface of Brody Lee with this title. Yeah, I'd have to agree there as well. Um, so overall, I think I was a lot more positive on Dynamite than you this week. I gave it a thumbs up. I gave it a thumbs down. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought it was... If there was ever a skippable episode of Dynamite, it was that one. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I guess we could argue all day, but there was a couple of bright spots for me. Like, I could honestly spend the next hour or so talking about how I think Ricky Starks is going to be, like, the poster boy of wrestling in five, ten years. Isn't he... Former NWA TV champ. Yeah. Yeah, he was at the start <laughs> of the year, man. And then, yeah, he's one of those guys that got let out of their contracts, thankfully. Unlike Thunder Rosa, which is why I don't think... We, which is why I think we're not going to be saying much of her going forward. Yeah, well, I suppose you have been watching a bit here and there of the UWF. Uh, what is it? UWN Primetime Live featuring NWA. Have you caught any of their recent stuff? I will be honest with you. I I think I openly said on the podcast that I watched the first episode via nefarious means. And a lot of people were unhappy with that first episode. We are now at the point where nefarious means doesn't even bother with that show anymore. So I, I can't find it without having to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. And that that first show was so bad that I wouldn't want to pay for it. Yeah, $20 Australian, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, even Nefarious Means has given up on the NWA or UWN or Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and all the other promotions involved. Yeah, fair enough. I thought I'd just ask there in case you seen Thunder Rosa was on there a bit more because she was on episode two, I think you said. Yeah, I, I heard she had a really good match with Priscilla Kelly. I heard uh, last week there, 
that Trevor Murdoch became the national champion. That's the last thing I heard about it. Fair enough. Uh, so from there, are you ready for a good time? Uh, I'm I'm ready for an okay time. Yeah. Um. So WWE SmackDown Saturday, October second, twenty twenty. Results were first: Jay Uso defeat AJ Styles. Second, Otis defeated John Morrison. Third, short. Uh, third, Sheamus defeated Shorty G. Fourth, a trios match: the team of Matt Riddle and the Lucha House Party, Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado, defeated King Corbin, Cesaro, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Fifth, a singles match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship, and Sami Zayn, the champion, defeats Jeff Hardy to retain. Your thoughts, Alex? Um, not a, not a great show. Not the best way of, um, you know, continuing the momentum of that amazing main event from Clash of Champions, but thank goodness we're continuing this Jey Uso feud. (laughs) Thank God. Because... uh, they were teasing the Fiend thing the week before. I don't want to see the Fiend and Roman Reigns go at it. No, the I Fiend want... seems to be going elsewhere. Possibly yeah. the Raw. Yeah. Well, the... a week before this, they had Alexa Bliss given death stares to Roman Reigns. And now we're just moving on completely. And honestly, not a bad decision. Um... They've they've got something here with Jey Uso, so you might as well continue on with it. Um, oh, I I thought this was just a this was a nothing episode of SmackDown, and I think you've got the same thing. Yep, I just read your notes, and you <laughs> said the exact same thing. So, <laughs> Otis is going to court to represent himself in this money in the briefcase legal challenge negligence thingy. Man, it would have been good if they brought in Smart Mark Sterling from AEW, Mr. Page 17, MJF's <laughs> lawyer. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bliss and KO talk segment. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> like, that, the possible pairing there of The Fiend and Kevin Owens, whilst it's a fresh matchup, it doesn't excite me. No, um, I yeah, I've never. I don't think these two have had ever had a match before. I think their styles could work well with each other, but man, the fiend is the least interesting part of the Bray Wyatt character for me. <laughs> Needs more wobbly warus. I I love Firefly Bray, like Firefly Funhouse Bray. I love that, like. We'll talk about when we get to Raw. Like, I love the Firefly Funhouse. It works almost every time for me. You know they put out a Wobbly Warris t-shirt? Yeah, and now they've, like... Obviously, at the time they did the Wobbly Warris thing, it seemed like they were going to head towards Bray and Roman. Because, obviously, Wobbly Warris being a Heyman ripoff. But now they're not doing that, so they've just completely ignored the whole wobbly walrus thing and we haven't seen it again since (laughs) 
Yeah. What do I say? Yeah, exactly. They should have just kept it anyway. Yeah. Um, I thought one of the positives on here outside the matches was that Sasha Banks cut a good promo. Um, I, I've always hated Sasha Banks's promo delivery style, but this was the least offensive one she's ever done. Like, I've always hated her cadence when she delivers a promo. She always has a cadence like this. And it's always like real stuttery, like stop start sort of cadence. And I, it always made me cringe. This one was the least cringy of it all. But yeah, but yeah um, I, I'm not a massive Sasha Banks on the mic fan, but this wasn't offensive. Um, yeah, I suppose this, yeah, was a nothing show for me. I gave it a thumbs down. Yeah, big thumbs down. Jeez, I'm negative on wrestling this week. I gave Impact a thumbs up at least, humans. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose, speaking of Impact, we go to Sunday, October 3rd, 2020 for Impact Wrestling's Victory Road. Did you happen to catch this, Alex? I did. I did. I um, For some weird reason, I thought TakeOver was on, well, Sunday for us. Yeah, because it's normally Sunday morning Aussie time, uh, Saturday night US. Yeah, and I was like, oh, awesome, Sunday morning, chill out a bit. It's been, um, the weather's been all over the place here, so I'll just chill out, watch some takeover. Oh, man, no, it's on tomorrow. And then I look on Twitter, oh, that's right, Victory Road, I'll go check that out. And, man. Good fun. Enjoyed it. Yeah, so the matches and results were first a tag team match. The Rascals, Des and Wince, defeated the team of Triple XL, AC Romero, and Larry D. Second, Brian Myers defeated Tommy Dreamer. Third, a open challenge match for the Impact Wrestling X Division, X Division Championship, where Willie Mack defeated Rohit Raju, the champion. By can out. So Raju ends up retaining there. Fourth, a singles match. Tennille Dashwood with Caleb with a K in her corner defeated Jordan Grace. Fifth, an unsanctioned tag team match. The team of Rhino and Heath defeated Reno Scum, Adam Forston, and Lister the Legend. Sixth, a singles match where Trey Miguel defeated Moose. Seventh, a four-way match with the participants are all the teams going forward to Bound for Glory in the four-way tag team championship match. So it was Josh Alexander with Ethan Page in his corner, defeated Ace Austin, who had Madman Fulton in his corner, and Alex Shelley, who had Chris Saban in his corner, and Carl Anderson, who had Doc Gallows in his corner. The co-main event, a singles match for the Impact Wrestling Knockouts Championship. Diana Perazzo, the champion with Kimberly in her corner, defeated Susie, who had Kylie Ray in her corner. And ninth, a singles match for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. Eric Young, the champion, defeats Eddie Edwards to retain. Uh, your thoughts here, Alex? Man, this was a good show. 
such a good show. Um, man, I, I, I'm biased, but admittedly, but I thought Brian Myers was able to get one of the best Tommy Dreamer matches out of Tommy Dreamer in years. And that's not a high bar by any standard, but that was the best I've seen Tommy Dreamer in the ring in a while. What are your thoughts on Eric Young as champion, out of curiosity? I've seen a lot of people be negative, but I've always enjoyed Eric Young even back when he was with TNA originally. So to me, I think he's doing really well in this role he's been given. Yeah, that's what I think as well. I think he's been fantastic. I'm more down on the idea of Rich Swan winning the title than Eric Young continuing his title run, to be honest. I think... <laughs> like, you remember when Swan first went to Impact and all the memes were going around? Instead of it saying, what's Rich Swan doing in the Impact Zone? It said, what's Paul Duck doing in the Impact Zone? <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, I miss all the what's so-and-so doing in the Impact Zone memes. They're great. Um, um, But Eric Young has been fantastic as a maniacal heel champion, in my opinion. And he cops a lot of hate online because they're like, oh, well... Uh, people are just like, oh, Eric Young, oh, that's not really moving your company forward or blah, blah, blah. I think the people that are complaining about it are the ones that aren't actually watching the show and seeing what I'm seeing because what I'm seeing is a bloody megastar out of Eric Young. Oh, yeah, it's definitely somebody uh, the Fed dropped the ball with 100%. Even yeah, definitely. They caught him up to the main roster. They used him for like a month. Didn't use him. They were over in the UK. Had Sanity come out to introduce Nikki Cross for her main roster call-up, and that was about all they did with him. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt Hawkins, Brian Myers talks on his podcast that he reckons he must have gotten beaten by Eric Young about 200 times on main event in those <laughs> this couple when he of was, years. Is this when he was 299 and 0? Uh, it was like t- zero and two seventy, I think, was the highest it got. I think, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you you know how you reward someone with a with a losing streak? You give them a tag title shot at WrestleMania. <laughs> Speaking of losing streaks, <laughs> because I haven't gone and checked out Dark for a couple of weeks. Do you know if anyone's O had to go yet? No, no O's have go. <laughs> no O's have gone anywhere, I don't think. Okay. Um, um, yeah, so what do you think about um, about Susie? Because I thought she was fantastic with Deanna here and her whole character progression has been really intriguing for me. Where she's slowly sort of turning a bit more each time into Sue Young, but sort of snaps back into Susie. Do you perhaps see Sue Young costing Kylie Ray the title at Bound for Glory? Um, Is, that's what I think they're going to. 
it's not going to make sense like immediately because like they're best friends and all, but that's the sort of thing that would happen normally. I could see that happening because I don't think they're going to take the toll off Diana quite yet. So I could see that happening and Kylie sort of being angry, like goes to push Susie and Susie falls over and then she sort of starts turning and Kylie starts apologising to her but then attacks her. I think it's time for the Sue Young character to come out soon. I would, like I said, Bound for Glory is the perfect place to do it. I don't think it's time for Kylie Ray to have the title yet. I think there's a lot more money in a character like hers, like having to beat a whole lot more obstacles before getting the title. Fair enough. Um, so credit to Impact here. They did mention on commentary, if Diana Perazzo loses, Susie will defend against Kylie Ray at Bound for Glory. Yeah. So they are going, oh, why is there a championship match now when got a match at Bound for Glory? Then they're going, oh, well, if she loses tonight, then the new champion will defend at the pay-per-view. So they're making sense there, at least. Yeah, and, like, just after that match, just before the main event, they did, like, a little rundown of the already announced Bound for Glory matches, and they had match graphics already for everything, except for the world title match for Bound for Glory, they just had a picture of Rich Swan saying whoever wins tonight's main event will face Rich Swan at Bound for Glory. And I thought that was also a good touch. Yeah, absolutely. If you had asked me in 2002 if Rhino and Tommy Dreamer would still be on pay-per-views and regular TV in 2020, I would have called you mad. I was... Here's the... Alex telling a funny Eliza story again. <laughs> I was watching this on the telly and Eliza walks in during the Reno Scum and Heath and Rhino tag match. She looks at Rhino and she goes, that dude is perfectly rectangular. <laughs> I was like, he is. He really is. She's like, He's just a concrete slab with legs. I was like, yep, I've always thought that. She's like, oh, actually, he's kind of built like a giant, like, can. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, Eliza's thoughts on Rhino. He's rectangular. He's perfectly rectangular. Well, I suppose it did get Heath noticed because Scott Damore has agreed to a meeting with Heath Tuesday. Well, whilst we're talking about how people look, Heath looks huge. I don't know <laughs> if it's because Rhino's actually quite short, but he looks massive, like tall and like muscular. Like Heath Heath looks like he could be a killer, but there's but he's still just doing, you know, the same old Heath Slater antics that he's been doing for years. Ah, well. Yeah, it's still fun. Like, that thing, like, last week with the cameos and all that. Like, he's doing some good <laughs> stuff. Uh, last little thing I wanted to touch on was Moose getting distracted. So the Rascals member, Trey Miguel, picks up the victory. But Moose runs backstage and sees, like, there's a little shrine with the Impact title in a garden with candles and flowers. And then EC3 attacks Moose from behind and says that he's going to hold a funeral on Tuesday for the TNA title. 
Yeah, um, I, I kind of like this angle, and I think Moose and EC3 will be good. I look forward to seeing, like, obviously this is just going to end up in a match of Bound for Glory. That's all well and good. Some of these these Moose being paranoid, quote-unquote, things over Impact have been sketchy at best at times, like... Like when his football coach just like randomly just goes, control your narrative, Moose. <laughs> <laughs> like that was so cheesy, but it's kind of cheesy in the most wonderful of ways. Um, yeah, I actually half I half enjoy this feud. I also half think it's bad. I don't know where I stand on it yet. <laughs> I think they'll be good in the ring. Yeah, I have to agree there. So. Overall, Victory Road, I gave a big thumbs up to. Yeah, I, I gave it a big th- thumbs up, but I need to quickly make mention that Madison Rain on commentary was just horrible at times. There was like times during, uh, like during times where it, she shouldn't even be talking about it. You know how you hear like wrestlers say before on shoot interviews and stuff that when you do commentary, it's not about putting yourself over. It's about putting over the wrestlers in the ring. Well, Heath Slater and Rhino are having a tag match against Reno scum. And Madison Rain's talking about how she could kick the butts of most of the knockouts on the roster these days. What does that have to do with anything? Shut up, Madison. <laughs> Uh yeah. Hey, and, at least and how how does someone with their real life husband on commentary still manage to have absolutely <laughs> no commentary chemistry at all? Like it's it's almost awkward. Like when they cut to them two just like standing and talking, like they don't even look comfortable standing next to each other. Like how? <laughs> Is it bad that like on-screen chemistry she has more with johnny's johnny swinger in locker room talk swinger by name swinger by nature <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh... <laughs> but who doesn't have good chemistry with johnny swinger is the best true uh so what do you give impact uh, uh t- two massive thumbs up two massive thumbs up is uh, probably the best North American wrestling I saw all week and up to this point, anyway. <laughs> all week up to this point. Fair enough. Uh, so from there, we go to Monday the 5th of October for NXT 31. Did you happen to watch the pre-show? Oh, not a chance am, am I going to watch Sam Roberts pretend to be a heel on an NXT pre-show ever again. Never again. I've watched it. Saw it like a year and a half ago when he was trying to trying to do it, trying to heal out on Bianca Belair for some unknown reason on a pre-show. I'm like, yeah, I never want to watch that guy talk again. <laughs> yeah, so like after, I think it might have been one or two pre-shows before this, they had a surprise tag match on. I thought, oh, I've got time. I'll ca- catch the pre-show. I'm talking in studio. Okay, fast forward a bit. Still in the studio. Still in studio. It was just a preview show for the whole thirty minutes. Yeah, 
Like, what? what's even the point of the pre-show at that point, you know? Yeah. Did you chuck it on while you're cooking breakfast? No, I guess so. I guess so. Um, so we go to the pay-per-view portion itself. Results were first a singles match WWE NXT North American Championship. Damian Priest, the champion, defeated Johnny Gargano. Second, a singles match Kushida defeated Velveteen Dream. Third, a singles match for the WWE NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Santos Escobar defeated Isaiah Swerve Bro Scott. Fourth, a singles match for the WWE NXT Women's Championship, where Io Shirai, the champion, defeated Candice LeRae. And in the main event, the fifth match of the night, a singles match for the WWE NXT Men's Championship. Finn Balor, the champion, defeated Kyle O'Reilly. Your thoughts, Alex? Uh, I thought this was a great takeover, as to be expected. Um, They set up a couple of things moving forward as well, which is, it's all right, I guess. What what do you think about the Capital Wrestling Center? Well, I'm glad you asked because as I'm a sucker for nostalgia and history, other than the name, I'm not sure what the new PC setup has to do with the predecessor of the WWWF. Uh, I I think it's just like a it's just a throwback name, I guess. Um, it's just like a bit of a homage, if you will. It was pretty cool seeing the old, like, Capital Wrestling Corporation logo being modified to the Capital Wrestling Center logo, and it was all over the arena or or the PC or whatever. But, um, yeah, did you hear that they, they don't train in the Performance Center anymore? Yeah, I didn't think they would be with them shooting there. Yeah, so they, like, have a separate setup somewhere else in Florida now. So they use the gym at the Performance Centre, but as far as, like, ring work and stuff, there's, like, another warehouse that they do it at now. Yeah, so that's an interesting tidbit, I guess. I thought, I actually liked the look of this. I thought you would be pretty happy with this setup because of the way they had put the fencing behind the glass in front of, in between the glass and the fans. So they're not really going to be banging on the glass as much because they'll smack their hands on metal. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, go on. So the um, show ending portion here, like, Ridge, I'm not from Holland, comes out with Adam Cole and lays him out, and then he's sort of having a stare down with Finn Balor in the ring. This, to me, is a boring future defense if they're going there. Well, you've got a boring champion, so you might as well have boring defenses. Yep, I said it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've been saying it for weeks. Yep. Um... Oh, you might as well bring up your stat that you shot through to me about the... Uh the weight of uh, two of the championship matches. Yeah, so as I was watching the main event, I decided to... I was like, geez, these, are, these must be like two of the smaller main eventers in history. 
And like they're not because there was like Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano matches and stuff like that. But I was like, oh, there's no way these guys weigh weigh more than the competitors in the cruiserweight title match. So I did the research, looked at everyone's build weights. So it was the combined weight for the cruiserweight championship match at Takeover. Three. 99 pounds combined weight for the NXT world title match at TakeOver 390 pounds so like whatever like I guess I guess that there's no there's no weight division for the NXT title I guess but man like a month or a couple of months ago like the NXT title was like Big boys only club. And now here we are with um, Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor, two very small gentlemen. I I don't know. I don't want to sound like a Jim Cornette, but I, I would like to see a bit of size in our main eventers. It would be nice. Kyle O'Reilly is fantastic and all that. But yeah, uh, man, and... And if you think about it, I was just going off build weights. So there's a good chance that the build weights for the combined like 390 for the main event guys, because they like to over-exaggerate the weights, they, they probably weigh a lot less than the 390 pounds combined. And because of the cruiserweight guys, they like to exaggerate the weights down to make them fit into the 205 thing. So they might be more than 399 pounds. So the gap could even be bigger. Unless of course you're Buddy Murphy where you have to do proper weight cutting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I still don't know how much of that was, was a gimmick or not because there was no way that dude was ever 205. Surely. I don't know. He's pretty shredded. Yeah, um, but he's also pretty thick. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought this was a pretty good takeover. Just for me, like, nothing really stood out once I left takeover. Well, um, we haven't talked about the big angle. Go ahead. Eo uh, Shirai defends her title, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, before this, the only thing I was most excited about TakeOver was this uh, mystery returning champion that was going to come back. And I was like, oh, it's going to be Bo Dallas. It's got to be Bo Dallas. (laughs) It's got to be Bo Dallas. I was talking myself up that Bo Dallas was going to come back with, like, a a new gimmick and have like the worst possible feud with Finn Balor. But the Eo Shirai match ends and we get Tony Storm on the screen. And I'm like, oh, she's not the returning person. Surely not. Although she was a NXT champ for the UK, I guess it could work. And it's like, cool. Tony Storm's coming to NXT US now. That's awesome. We love Tony. But then no. We get more. We get Ember Moon. Ember Moon in NXT. Man, 
with this one segment, have they completely refreshed their entire women's division? And I'm now genuinely excited for the feuds coming out of this. Oh my God. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I completely forgot to put that down in my notes. I'm so sorry, but <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to think then when you were reading that out on air, I'm like, no, Tony's a UK champ and Ember. Oh, Ember was champ after Asuka left. Yeah, Ember yeah. didn't ever win the title from Asuka because Asuka left, and then she ended up winning. And then they were in the Rumble that year where Ember had her arm taped, and Asuka's going, oh, pointing to her her own arm, going, oh, what happened? <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that vividly. Um, I've seen Ember wrestle live before at the uh, really? NXT Melbourne show. Oh, she did okay. the eclipse to um I think it was Billy Kay in that match. Oh. Did Billy Kay at least go over? The iconics go over? No, they both lost. Oh man. Yep, that's dumb, but okay. <laughs> Same company that used to just bloody Jim Ross every time they ended up in Oklahoma, so not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I thought in terms of the matches, and it's probably not helped by G1 season, there wasn't anything for myself that was really blow away, so I just gave this a thumb sideways. Yeah, um, I, I thought I'd give it a uh, full thumbs up for me, but like we're at the point with NXT where like you sort of expect really good matches every time. And now that you've consistently delivered so many good matches, like, now good matches are just average matches. So now I need a little bit more. So either stop making your matches so good and making your your general audience spoiled, or, you know, chuck in a few... Chuck in a few more non-match things, like a few big angles or something like that on the takeover, which they did this time around, which was quite refreshing, which I enjoyed. But yeah, yeah we're now at a point where it's just like, oh, we get good wrestling all the time. We need something different. Agreed. Um, yeah. So from there, we go to Tuesday, October the 6th, 2020 for Ring of Honor Wrestling number 472. For the Ring of Honor Pure Tournament Night 4. Did you watch this, Alex? I did. I did. Awesome. So, judges again are Gary Gister, Will Ferrara, and Sumi Sakai. First match of the night from the Red A Block. Tracy Williams defeats Russ Taylor by submission in 14.25. And then in the second match in the Silver B Block, PJ Black defeats Tony Deppen by pinfall in 12.07. Uh, your thoughts here, Alex? Uh, it was good to see Captain Jack Sparrow make his Ring of Honor debut in those promos before the PJ Black match. <laughs> like, like I, I was watching it and I was like, what are you wearing, PJ? And then he's talking about like, like these people in South Africa that would mix up potions for him. I was like, okay, all right then. And then he's talking about, did you know that you get better 
Oh, something about the mental health and you get a better quality of life the more that your feet touch plants or something like that. <laughs> Did you hear this? It was yes. just it was just the most strung out like I'm I'm completely off my face promo I've ever heard. <laughs> and I was just like I've done some trippy stuff in my life, PJ Black. But whatever you're doing, boy, I could not handle it. <laughs> this is the um, same guy that this is the same guy that was on Colt Cabana's podcast once and pretty much spent forty five minutes talking about how much he loves getting high off peyote. So So yeah, whatever. <laughs> um former uh Justin Gabriel in the Fed, is that right? Yes, yes, the former member of the Nexus, then the new Nexus, then the core. <laughs> the um, core. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It, it's just the Nexus, except here's Ezekiel Jackson, the core. <laughs> um, yeah, really good matches. Now, you know the story why PJ wears gloves, don't you? Uh, no, I don't. What's what's the story? Um, he burnt his hand smoking cactus fluids. No, wasn't he paragliding and the like ropes got caught and cut off one of his fingers? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In between chats about ayahuasca and peyote cactus extracts, he was talking about uh, his lighting accident or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't really notice it in the in the guy's work, which is surprising. He's very good. Yeah. <laughs> like like he's very, very good. What'd you um think of Tony Deppen? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. I haven't seen that much of him before. I've seen a lot of his stuff in uh Game Changer Wrestling and he's pretty much just the the cocky heel that comes out and gets beat up by a surprise guest on every indie show. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, yeah, so I thought it was really good again this week. Probably the most solid in-ring uh, programming right now on TV. So next week sees the start of round two with Jay Lethal taking on David Finley, then Jonathan Gresham versus Matt Seidel. Yeah, it's... Exciting times all around for Ring of Honors. Good matches coming up. And plus, if you tune in next week, you might get the chance of um, seeing some of the ads placed in Ring of Honor, such as uh, there's ads selling comfortable bedding for, for old people and George Foreman selling life insurance or something to some people. Or like... This other, like, former NFL player talking about how you can still get in shape if you're over 50. Like, <laughs> okay, so Ring of Honor clearly thinks that their target audience is 50 plus. Yeah. Well, you got to go after that elusive demo. Yeah, yeah. Um, well... Apparently, that's the NXT fan base, so I can't blame them for going after it. Well, they got the right idea on Monday. They're all going to be watching Raw, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, and then there's... I've seen it plenty of times before, but you shared it with me recently, the Jay Lethal selling, like, insurance. Oh, yeah, the the knee brace. If you're The knee braces, that's (laughs) it, yeah. You may be eligible if you're on Medicare or Medicaid for a knee brace at no additional cost. Was it? Oh, if back or knee pain has you down for the count, then kick out with a knee brace from whatever the company is. <laughs> yeah, and and it's just like Jay Lethal standing in front of a green screen in his full wrestling gear. Like, okay. And that's what the, um, the George Foreman ad that was on today was pretty much like, it was like George Foreman's just talking out the front of these people's house, just being like, you know... When life gets you down, you just hit it back with a big punch. Knock out all your problems by getting this life insurance. Uh, Yeah, see, we can read out ads for you. Give us a sponsorship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Back to let us make money. (laughs) Give us money, people. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, Ring of Honor, big thumbs up this week. Um. So going into the second round, there'll be one, two, probably three more weeks before the final, and then it'll be interesting to see what they do after they get to the final. Yeah, it will be. Um, I think this whole thing has been fantastic. Not only has the in-ring quality been amazing, but these video packages and all that beforehand... Uh, worth checking out as well. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, so from there, you have time for Raw. I don't, but let's talk about it. <laughs> I don't uh, want to talk about it, but let's talk about it. Jesus. I mean, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ali bad now. Oh, <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so, results were first a trios match. Oscar, Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke defeated Zelina Vega and team hashtag boat Lana and Natalia. Second, a 24-7 segment for the 24-7 championship. Drew Gulak defeated R-Truth to become the new champion. Third, a tag team match. Seth Rollins and Murphy defeated Dominic Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo. Fourth, Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee ended in a double countout. Fifth, another 24-7 match backstage, where R-Truth defeated Drew Gulak and Akira Tozawa in a dumpster to become the new champion for the 42nd time. Congratulations, Ron the Truth Killings. Yeah. I'll get there in a sec. Uh, Sixth tag team match, The Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin with MVP in their corner defeated Apollo Crews and Ricochet with Ali in their corner. 10pm Eastern, time for a Murphy apology. (laughs) Okay, no Raw Underground again this week as we go into match seven, a tag team match for the Women's Tag Team Championship. Nyla Jackson, Shayna Baszler, the champions, retain against the Right to Dirt squad. Ruby Wright and Liv Morgan. Eighth, a singles match MVP with the Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin ringside versus Ali 
ended in a no contest because retribution attacked, I guess. And yeah. And the main event of the night, a trios match, Randy Orton, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode defeated the team of Drew McIntyre and the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. Um, your thoughts, Alex? Um, man, Raw was <laughs> Raw was rough. I love the Randy Orton promo at the very start. That was pretty good. Uh, I think um, Drew McIntyre looks like a sexy badass when he shows up in his black, plain black tank top. It makes him look huge. Um, so that's cool. Um, Ali's hair looked really luscious today. Um, what else? Maybe. Could I try to find a chat about? Maybe it's Maybelline. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's Reckoning. Oh, boy. Or um, what was the other one called? Revelation or something. I forgot. Retaliation. <laughs> Retaliation. That's it. Slapjack. Um, Slapjack. Mace. Mace. Uh, T-Bar, <laughs> I was I seen, gen- I seen someone share a meme the other day and I couldn't share it because I can't find it again. It was like how they're introducing all the Retribution members. It's like, um, oh, was it T-Bar, Slapjack and Mace? Mm. And like they've cut out the Mace thing and like put it over like the Jedi Council <laughs> and it pans <laughs> to Mace Windu and it goes... <laughs> And Mace, retribution. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wish I could find that again. I should have shared it. Yeah, you should have. Um, Ali joining retribution? What? Should, we should have known. It makes sense. Like, that's why Ali, Ali was rumoured to be the hacker earlier this year, right? Yeah, and, and then, then that was dropped. Yeah, then it was dropped. And then Retribution comes around and they start hacking things. Ah, Ali is the tie-in. But yeah, this is this is pretty bad. <laughs> I'm trying to find positives out of Raw. Uh, um, how about, they, in- how, about how they broke up the Iconics for the Right to Dirt Squads match and they still lost the championship opportunity? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know what it is, but I really hate Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler as a tag team. But I don't know if it's because they have heat or if it's because I just genuinely don't think they look like good people. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, The Murphy apology? What was that? On commentary, Tom Phillips kept getting confused. And he kept saying, like, oh, Seth Rollins has until 10, 10 p.m. to apologize to Buddy Murphy. It's like, no, <laughs> no, Buddy, Buddy has to apologize by 10. And he said it once. And then, like, a little bit later, he says it again. And then, like, a little bit later when Buddy and Seth come out, 
he finally got it right. So I assume Vince tore him a new one on the headset. <laughs> um, that whole thing was just, I don't know where they're going. Um, Buddy versus Seth will be a fun match. Oh, yeah, it'll be a great match. It'll be awesome, but there's no way they'll let Buddy win, which sucks. Um, If you ever need to know what the overall thought of the WWE 24-7 championship is, go watch the clip from tonight where they all brawl in the dumpster. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, I found it interesting with R-Truth and the whiteboard he had prepared for the draft. Did you see that? Yeah, I caught a couple of names, but I didn't have time to write any of them down. Oh, there was like Ninja 1, Ninja 2 on like first picks for Raw and SmackDown. (laughs) Little Jimmy on one show, R-Truth on the other. I saw Slapjack written down there somewhere. Um, and then I saw something like John Cena or something like towards the bottom of the whiteboard. Because our truth grew up looking up to John Cena. Yes, even though he's older. Yeah, exactly. Our truth's crazy. Um, um, yeah. To uh, the guy, he makes everything he does work. Like, it's insane. Like, how does he get everything to work? Also... Is R-Truth the only person in history to have been able to carry their TNA theme song into the WWE? Um, Yeah, probably. I've been doing some research for TNA music lately for a future episode of a podcast. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Although I think we've already announced it. Um... And I, like, Run the Truth Killings theme song popped up on my YouTube, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go have a listen to that. Oh, no, it's just What's Up. Oh, cool. This dude got to take his indie theme with him to the Fed. No one gets to do that. No, I suppose not. Um, I suppose the only one I could think of would be like Scott Steiner, but it's more a WCW theme first. Yeah, and plus, it's just a generic siren. It's not really... Um, And, oh man, me being a WCW absolute nerd, I can pinpoint to you the difference in the music. <laughs> uh, the, it's the same siren, different drum beat in the background when it picks up. It's so, so weird that I know that. Oh, I need to reassess myself. <laughs> so Raw sucked again. I don't remember anything redeeming from it. And we just finished watching like a couple of hours ago. Retribution yeah. week nine. I still fast forward. Even with an Aussie in it and Ali being announced as sort of the leader this week, I still don't care. Thumbs down, Raw. Yeah, I'll give it thumbs down as well. Although, I got really excited when I saw Retribution this week because (laughs) I've spent, like, a full week, like, reading T-Bar's Twitter. Oh, God. Go on. Oh, no, it's just been awesome stuff. Like, oh, Chris Jericho, like, 
making fun of the retribution gimmick on Twitter. And then, like, T-Bar just replying with just, like, screenshots of headlines of, like, Chris Jericho performs live at Sturgis and now over 250,000 cases of corona have come out of it. (laughs) Oh, man. And, like... Maybe not 250,000, I've got the number wrong, but... That's probably how many were there total. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, making fun of um, Chris Jericho for trying to defend going to Sturgis. And then, like, Eric Bischoff has a shot at Retribution on Twitter and says something about how bad the Retribution gimmick is, and then T-Bar replies with, Hey, I thought you would like us. We're just trying to do what you did, and that's just destroy a billion-dollar company from the inside out. <laughs> like, t has been fantastic on Twitter, just, like, replying to everyone and just, like, playing into it, really. T-Bar's Dijakovic, isn't it? Yeah. And, um... Jim, go on. And Reckoning... Uh, Mia Yim does a fair bit of fun stuff on Twitter. She has like a separate account for Reckoning or whatever the name is. Do you see? Um, it might have been T Bar and Slapjack had a go at um Matthew. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> saying you get a free pass because you've done more damage to them to this business than we could ever aspire to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, if you actually go check out the very latest Botch of Mania, he sort of splicey splices that in at the very end of the show. <laughs> He's actually very proud of it, I can tell. <laughs> One of them said, like, I'm no longer going to be contributing to you, and then, like, hashtag... Which yeah, it was Mace. It was, yeah, hashtag Mace no Botch or something. Yeah, that's, like, the worst thing you could ever promise now. <laughs> Uh, now everyone's just going to be like like taking a close look at every single thing you do. Yeah, man. Go watch Bostromania. It's a lot more fun than Raw. <laughs> yeah, and usually half the footage is Raw somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I suppose, do you want to talk about upcoming pay-per-views? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I guess more pay-per-views, more wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just in time for G1 season. Yeah, exactly. So these are all Australian dates. October the 12th, GCW presents Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2020. Are you excited for that? I might check it out. I might. If I if I get time. Uh, the card itself doesn't intrigue me as much as it normally would, but it still it still looks pretty good. Do you have they announced Mox's opponent? Uh, I didn't even know they had announced Mox, so you beat yeah, me because off that. Mox is doing his make good when he was, I think he was injured last year and he couldn't compete. Yeah. Uh, quickly, can we just go back to Bloodsport? It is John Moxley versus Chris Dickinson, who's Ooh. a big, muscly 
angry guy that was on the first episode of UWN Primetime and was one of the few high points of that episode, actually. Um, here's some other matches from Bloodsport. Man, this is weird. Homicide versus Filthy Tom Lawler. Yes. I am I am actually pretty sold on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else have we got here? We got Josh Alexander versus Davey Boy Smith Jr., which would be amazing. Josh Alexander from Impact. Yeah. Wow, that'd be interesting. Yeah, like it, he would actually be perfect for well, Harry Smith and um, Alison Kay versus Killer Kelly, which would be a good one too. Isn't Killer Kelly with NXT UK? I don't think so. She must have got let go during the pandemic then. Uh, let me just. I've never even heard of her before, but Alison Kay intrigued me. Uh, she was apparently... in WXW. Been in NXT a couple of times, challenged for the women's title a couple of times, I believe. She quit WWE in January. Oh. Yeah, I just searched it up. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, there you go. What was her name on NXT? Just Killer Kelly. Yeah. Oh, that was the name she, she used on the indies. Yeah. Oh, very good. So, uh, yeah, then... October 25th, Impact Wrestling presents Bound for Glory 2020. Uh, main match there is Rich Swan versus Eric Young. Quick prediction on that match. Rich Swan win or Eric Young win? Um, I think Swan wins. Uh, I think if there's ever a time for a happy ending sort of thing, that would be the match to do it for. But I just don't, I don't think they've... Even scratch the surface with Eric Young as champ yet. That's that's the other thing I was sort of thinking. It's a bit soon to be switching that. Yeah, I I think bringing in all these people might have actually hurt the uh, singles title more than help it. Because, you know, you brought Rich Swan back from injury at Slammiversary. And he completely got overshadowed by the people that they brought in. And then Eric Young didn't win the title at Slammiversary. He eventually wins it. And now you're bringing Rich Swan back again. And now it's like, well, you have to have Rich Swan win it because of the amount of times he came back. But now you can't really take the title off Eric Young yet either because his title reign's only just started, so they might have booked themselves into a bit of a corner. Yeah. Um, and then the last one coming up this month is October 26th, WWE Hell in a Cell 2020. They've sort yes. Of, they've sort of alluded at the, uh, the two matches they're going to be putting in the cells. Do you remember what the two were? Well, they've already announced one. Yeah. Uh, Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre in the Hell in a Cell is official as of now. Uh, they announced that on Raw. Uh, and Jey Uso versus Roman is another one, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's the other one I was sort of looking at. Um, how do you feel about Hell in the Cell? Because I said this last week, I 
do not care about this pay-per-view gimmick anymore. No, no. Well, what was it? Last year was the one that ended in a no contest. It was a DQ. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a DQ or something. And then the year before that, there was a no contest that resulted in a draw and the match being thrown out. Because that was Braun's cashing. Yeah. So, like, they've completely buried this gimmick in the last couple of years. Remember on the watch along last year, Xbox going, how the hell do you get DQ'd in a hell in a, in a cell? Because well, I probably won't be invited back for this. Yeah, they um, later explained it was like a referee stoppage or something like that, from my memory. But yeah, it looked like a DQ. It was just dumb. It was just dumb. Um, that be that was the moment. That was the moment the fiend jumped the shark for me mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What what do you have to say, buddy? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not gonna watch this live. I'm gonna just <laughs> wait for it's on delay and just skip through that one. Yeah, that's the best way to watch WWE these days. <laughs> um. I also watched something this week. I watched a WWE 24 Drew McIntyre, The Chosen One. Good documentary. Check that out. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so from yeah. there, who was your TV champion of the week? My TV champion of the week. Uh, last week, I believe I picked... Oh, God. Hang on. I just went blank. I picked Jay yeah, Uso. Yeah, Uso. Last... Yeah, I picked Jay Uso last week. I didn't think I'd get much of a chance to pick him again, so I chose him last week. This week, I'm choosing to Neil Dashwood. Well, that's an excellent choice, and we're both staying in impact because I chose Ken Shamrock. Oh, he did like a run in an interview. Hey, if you can choose someone because they're not going to be choosable again, I'm going to choose someone because they mightn't be chosen again. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, sorry. Uh, I still love Ken Shamrock. He's still so good. Yes, he looks every bit of his age these days, but he's still huge and muscular. And he he's still fantastic. I love him. Um, I kind of just want to hang out with him like a fatherly sort of figure and just like, you know, get him to teach me how to apply ankle locks and submission holds and takedowns. <laughs> um, yeah, so good choice for you. Yeah, I picked Neil Dashwood. I thought she had, had a fun little match on Impact and I like her stuff with Jordan Grace. And I kind of like her character. I didn't think I would at first, but I, I got there. I like it. Um, yeah, so she is playing the role of Carmella. <laughs> Ooh. Carmella is completely... Um, we forgot to talk about this. They revealed Carmella as the mystery woman in the vignettes, which was obvious about three weeks ago. And... So she's Carmelina now, isn't she? She's doing the Emelina gimmick. 
Yeah, have fun with that, Carmelina. Yeah, Carmelina. Yeah, <laughs> but someone that's actually doing it well, Tennille Dashwood in Impact, and Caleb with a K is an honourable mention just because Tennille won. <laughs> yes, indeed. So that sort of concludes the wrap, unless you have time for our block. Let's let's hit our block, man. Okay, so we are talking about nights seven and eight. Alrighty. So, so night seven, September thirtieth, twenty twenty, begins with C block match number seven. Yota Suji of New Japan Dojo took on Yuya Yuramura of the New Japan Dojo. Uh, Yota Suji picks up the win here, going to six points versus Yuramura on four on the unofficial standings. I gave this Young Lions match 2.75. Very good. Uh, moving on to A-block matches of the night. First, Minoru Suzuki of Suzuki-gun taking on Yujiro Takahashi of the Bullet Club. Uh, we had both Alex and myself had cho- both Alex and myself had chosen Minoru Suzuki, with Suzuki getting the win, moving to six. Yujiro stays on two. Alex goes to 18 points. I go to 20. I gave this match Three beers. I gave it three beers. <laughs> uh, match 32 of the tournament. Kota Ibushi versus Jeff Cobb, partly affiliated with Taguchi Japan. Alex had chosen Ibushi. I'd chosen Cobb. And Kota Ibushi gets the win here, moving to six. Cobb stays on two. Alex goes to 19. I stay on 20. I gave this three beers. I gave it three and a half. Fair enough. Um, match 33, Kazuchika Okada of Chaos took on Taichi of Suzuki-gun. We had both chosen Taichi here, and Okada got the win, moving to four points. Taichi stays on six. Alex stays on 19. I stay on 20. I gave this 3.25. Yeah, I gave this four. I, I liked it. Um, just want to quickly say that I made a lot of fun of Taichi before this tournament. I'm completely sold on him now. <laughs> I don't I don't know why this year in particular, because like I watched him the whole G1 last year and I hated him. But this time around, I don't know what it is, but it, something's clicking for me and his matches have been pretty good. Yeah, I'd have to agree there as well. Match 34 of the tournament. Will Ospreay of Chaos took on Jay White of Bullet Club. Both Alex and myself chose Will Ospreay. And Ospreay gets the win here, moving to six points. Jay White stays on six. Alex goes to 20 points. I moved to 21. I gave this a 3.50. Yeah, I gave it four and a half. I loved it. I thought it was good. Um... Yeah, I, I really enjoy Jay White at the moment. I know it's not a popular opinion with Japanese wrestling, but I think Jay White's been on fire. Yeah, I'd have to agree there as well. So we go to the main event of Night 7, Match 35 of the tournament. Tomohiro Ishii of Chaos took on Shingo Takage of Los Ingobernables de Japón. Alex had chosen Tomohiro. I had chosen Shingo with... Tomohiro Ishii getting the win here, moving to two. Shingo Takagi remains on two. Alex moves to 21 points. I stay on 21 points. I gave this match a 1.50. Yeah, I gave a 
What did you give it? 1.50. I gave it five and a half. We're on very differing views about Tomohiro Ishii, aren't we? Yeah, it's a it's a lot of skull on skull headbutts, especially in this match. There seemed to be a lot more. Yeah, and it's the one thing like for a few years since the Shibata that New Japan should outlaw, but hasn't. Yeah, I I think sometimes there are times where Tomohiro Ishii actually looks like he's protecting his opponent. But then when he tries to do the headbutt later on in a match, it's like, oh, oh dear, anything can happen now because he gets too tired to try to protect his opponent. Yeah, so that's where I've sort of downgraded a lot of um, Ishii matches this tournament. Well, so we're for... gonna we're gonna have a lot of differing opinions on this because Ishii has gotten um for every single one of his matches at least 5.5 from me because <laughs> i i think i honestly think he's like from this tournament alone in the front running for like wrestler of the year this year um, so, his performances have been amazing but go on so for night seven alex got four out of five i got two out of five yeah, so what's the total? 21 each, wasn't it? Uh, 21 each, moving into night number eight, October the 1st, for B-Block action. So they start off with the Young Lion C-Block, match number eight. Gabriel Kidd of the LA Dojo took on Yota Suji of the New Japan Dojo. With the match going to the time limit draw, Gabriel Kidd now on five, Yota Suji now on seven in the unofficial standings. I gave this a 3.25. Guess what, Chris? What? Someone watched a Young Lions match. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. Uh, I actually went back and watched this match because I'd seen a lot of buzz about this match on Twitter. And I went and checked it out, and I thought it was fantastic. I think Yota Suji's a superstar already. Um I gave it four. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I was just blown away by it. It was just so, like, basic, yet it just got me hooked. Yeah, I think that's what I found myself doing is, like, uh, grading to a scale for the young lines. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of like, what I did there as well. I don't want to go, oh, this was really great for a young lines match. I'm going to give it uh, six beers for a young lines match and then the next match of the night, oh, I'm only going to give it three because it's a normal match. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, what do you say you gave that one? I gave it 3.25. Yeah, I gave it four. I just went straight four on that just because I was just blown away by it. I'd, I'd, it now makes me want to go watch all the Young Lions matches. So they did their job. Uh, the Yoda Suji matches have been a real standout of the uh, unofficial C block so far. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, a ma he's great. He's going to be a, just a straight-up hoss when he, when he gets a bit more seasoned, I think. I'd have to agree there. So we go into the B block matches uh, for the night. Match 36 of the tournament, Juice Robinson of Taguchi Japan took on Toru Yano of Chaos. Both Alex and myself had picked Juice 
Uh, we're just getting the victory here, moving to six points. Yano stays on four points. Both Alex and myself moved to 22 points. I gave this a 2.25. I gave this a 3.75. T-shirt shenanigans really won it <laughs> over for me. And all the, like, juice, like, begging Yano before the match, please, like, no no BS this match, please, no. And then Yano's just like, okay, no BS, here, have this T-shirt. And then Juice goes to put on the T-shirt and Yano tries to roll him up while he's putting the T-shirt on. Just fantastic. It's good fun. Yeah, I'd have to agree there as well. For match 37, Hiroki Goto of Chaos took on Zack Sabre Jr. Suzuki-gun. Both Alex and myself had picked uh, Zack Sabre Jr. with Zack Sabre Jr. getting the win. He moves to four points. Hiroki Goto stays on two points. Alex and myself both on 23 points. I gave this match a 2.50. Yeah, pretty similar thought. I gave it a three. Yeah, Zach sort of... I'm not sure, like I mentioned before, the English commentary lends itself a lot to Zach, especially with all his holds. So they can okay. explain what is it, what um, body part he's working over and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I think... Um, he is sort of uh, lacking something this tournament, and it may be that, or it may be Tucker in his corner. Yeah. Uh, match number 38 of the tournament. Hiroshi Tanahashi, partly affiliated with Taguchi Japan, took on Yoshihashi of Chaos. Alex picked Tanahashi. I picked Yoshihashi with Tanahashi getting the win, moving to four points. Yoshihashi stays on two. Alex moves up to 24 points. I stay on 23 I gave this a 3.50. Um, I may have given this a higher score based on one of the participants in this because this was the best Yoshihashi match I've ever seen in my life. So I gave it four and a half. Yeah, I can't argue there. That's... Yeah, man, like his match with Tanahashi and his match with Evil, like <laughs> the best like Yoshihashi matches I've ever seen. And, like, yeah, it's one thing to say, oh, I had a really good match with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Pretty much every match Hiroshi Tanahashi's ever had has been a good match, almost. But Evil has been utter, utterly disappointing in this tournament, and Yoshihashi had Evil's best match. <laughs> so... I think I'm turning around on Yoshihashi. I think I'm turning around on Taichi. Yeah, they're becoming two of my... um, I wouldn't say my favourites, but they're slowly becoming two of my quote-unquote boys. (laughs) Fair enough. Match 37 of the tournament. Kenta of Bullet Club took on Evil of Bullet Club. Alex had chosen a draw. I had chosen Kenta. With the result being Evil gets the win here, both men move to four points in the block standings. Alex stays on 24. I stay on 23. I gave this match a three. I gave this a 1.75. I hated it. <laughs> yeah, I seen it was slow plotting, like all very stretched out. I, I thought it was probably the second best match Evil has had at this tournament, and that's not saying a lot. And also, like, you guys are part of the same faction. Why are you trying to cheat to beat Kenta? 
like, this is going to bite you in the bum. Like, why is Kenta playing the baby face here? Like, it seemed like there was more of a story that we weren't understanding or being able to get represented because it was like, for some weird reason, Kenta was playing baby face to evil and, like, it, and Kenta tries to, like, you know, sign a respect at the start of the match and evil doesn't want a bar of it. Why don't you want a bar of it? You're in the same group. Like, that whole dynamic just confused me and they should never be in the same ring again. <laughs> Fair enough. So, match 40 of the tournament, the final match we're going to talk about this week. Tatsuya Naito of Los Ingobernables de Japón took on Sonata of Los Ingobernables de Japón. Both Alex and myself had chosen Sonata. With Sonata picking up the win here. So, Sonata moves to two points. Naito stays on six. Alex moves to 25 points. I moved to 24. I gave this a 3.50. Oh, wow. I gave it a five and a quarter. I I really enjoyed this match. Uh, Sonata's... Easily Sonata's best match of the tournament. I think he's been quite underwhelming as well. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, I, ca- I can't really argue there. It just... It just wasn't for me, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sonata has a bit of a s- slower sort of plotting style, and it's either you like it or you don't. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of not my style. Yeah. Um, would you like to talk upcoming G1 events that we'll be discussing next week, or would you like to talk about the leaderboard first? Uh, let's talk about the upcoming G1 shows. Okay, so next week's wrap. So next week we'll be discussing Night 9, October the 5th, an A block event. Night 10, October the 6th, a B block event. Night 11, October the 7th, an A block event. Night 12, October the 8th, a B block event. Night 13, October the 10th, an A block event. And night. 14, October the 11th, a B-block event. So that We got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. The next six nights of G1, plus our weekly stuff, and maybe Bloodsport if Alex watches that as well. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's going to be a big wrap. This is a kebab with the lot, man. We're, we're, not just, we're not just getting a... A beef or a chicken kebab. We're getting the mixed meat kebab. We're getting the bloody falafels chucked in there. We're getting beef, chicken, lamb, everything. <laughs> it's going to be huge next week. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm hungry. <laughs> but I suppose uh, we should... Truth be told, I actually had a kebab for lunch today. <laughs> oh. Remember <laughs> so when you could like... go out and drink and have kebabs? Oh, man, I, I got um, on Skype the other day with a friend and it was like, man, what's happened in our lives? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so from there, do you want to discuss the leaderboard at the moment, including New Japan Cup of USA and G1 Climax results? Yeah, let's, what's happening, man? Let's so find out. At the moment, uh, Chris, myself, am on... 30 total points. And Alex 
is on 32 points. Oh man, this is this is tight. Um I actually have miscalculated my numbers. So you've got mine one point ahead of what I have. That's because I accidentally marked down that I lost a, a match that I didn't lose now looking through it all. So I thought you were flogging me. <laughs> yeah, I remember last week you were saying because I had that night of five that I was too far ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had that night of one that the same night you had a night of five, I think, or something like that. Yeah. But I got a night of four recent on the night eight, I think. So that sort of helped me a bit. Yeah. So, Alex, this week you got four out of five for night seven, four out of five for night eight. Myself, I got two out of five for night seven, three out of five for night eight. Yeah, yeah, I'm do- I'm doing a bit better than I thought. <laughs> so, in terms of a tiebreaker situation, you're ahead at the moment on two total points. Uh, then we go to the three points. You're ahead there from the New Japan Cup of USA. Two points, we're still a draw. And then the one-point total, I'm ahead by one point in the one-point bracket. Man. 27 to 28. <laughs> um, I, I need to win our block humans I have ridiculous plans for my fantasy fed that requires me to win this competition <laughs> yeah it's a lot more than bragging rights on the line no trophy yeah. but you get it <laughs> you get a fruity's element game show bonus yeah there's um yeah, there's some stuff I want to do. It requires me winning this, or else I've set, I've hinted at things in my show that are not going to come to fruition if I don't win this. That's how confident I am. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anything else you sort of want to touch on for the week, or should we sign off and speak to the humans next time? I think they've had more than their fill of my cough cough wonderful voice so i think we'll sign off for today i reckon oh okay (laughs) i suppose in saying that you'll be very excited to hear that tank girl is hosting pumpkin night on nxt yeah um (laughs) halloween (laughs) havoc coming back i knew it would come back there'd been NXT has been very petty this year with bringing back WCW shows to poke the bear at AEW. But my God, Tank Girl is the poster girl for Halloween Havoc. Come on. It's not like they have a bloody demon on their roster or anything. Cough, cough. Yeah, it is a weird choice. Yeah, I guess she howls. So that makes her a wolf. Which makes her spooky. (laughs) He drives a tank. A spooky. Ooh. (laughs) Military weapons. Ooh. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Yeah, so go get your pumpkins. Celebrate Halloween if you do. If not, I don't know, socially distance and have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
do that. Do that. Um, also, I don't know. Maybe I'm old school. We live in Australia. Don't celebrate Halloween. <laughs> okay. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll start a petition saying stop Halloween havoc. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, oh. I, as much as I want Halloween havoc, I don't want Shotzi Blackheart being the poster girl, so that's fine. You know who, who they do have under contract, who they could bring in for Halloween Havoc? Who? Abyss. Oh, I almost swore out of excitement about that <laughs> idea. Man, I would love that. Apparently, Man, was, give us Dexter, give us Dexter Loomis versus Abyss at Halloween Havoc <laughs> in a spin the wheel, make the deal match. No, it needs to be a, a monsters ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the match he has with Grado. Oh man, Grado's like, no, I don't want to go down the tax. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're going far too long. Yeah, well, you humans got your money worth again. Yeah, all this for three ninety nine, and no Katie Forbes twerking this week. Yeah, she's gone. Woo! Oh, man. I miss her already. Yeah, with every bullet so far. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh, I suppose we should let the humans watch coming up this week. Let's see. Schedule well. So uh, we will have Ballroom Brawl coming out shortly. Following that, we will have Top 10 TNA themes and then be discussing the Australian-New Zealand scene from September, which at the moment I can only see a RCW show. Yeah, we've got a PWA show this weekend, I believe. So Yeah, and then Coliseum, I believe, is the weekend after. Yeah, so we've got a bit coming up from PWA, thankfully. But, man, we'll we'll try to stretch out this Australian wrestling show uh, in the next week or so. Yeah, we'll try to stretch out the time on that one if we've got nothing to talk about. I've got one or two ideas that I might uh, discuss with you off air and sort of surprise the humans about on air. Yeah, I've got a a couple of ideas too, so I'm interested in hearing yours. Well, then, let's say... Goodbye and good night, and we'll start planning. Yes, yes, let's do it. <laughs> I thought you were going to have something funny. Oh, I'm think. Oh, I thought you were signing off first. I was oh. waiting for you to say something. No, nah, you can say something. Uh, This is the point of the podcast where I say something funny, but we ran for too long and I've lost all brain-thinky things in my head. So all I have to say is, Shotzi Blackheart, why? (laughs) 